Hello and welcome to the Who Is Your Business podcast. This is where we help organizations and professionals solve challenges by discussing current events and the industry's latest trends. Feel free to call in, type your questions into the chat. We're going to try and help um, you solve any of your communications and marketing challenge in real time. Uh, while we're also going to be discussing today's topic, which is how to prepare your organization for a recession. Um, we're going to do that really from a communications and marketing angle. So um, as far as sales and operations, uh, that's not something we'll cover. What we will cover, though, is how do you position your brand, your company, your organization to um, it, it, in a certain way that when, if and when you need to actually pivot, whether that's selling your products or your services, how are you able to do that in a way that is um, seamless and in a way that your customers um, can expect or don't see as too odd or strange and, and that they don't lose trust or you don't lose credibility with your market. I mean, that's a really important thing to do. Often what we find is that when organizations are trying to pivot um, and maybe offer a new product or service or change a price or do something that is slightly outside the expectation they have already created with their audience, it can happen at a time when um, maybe it's out of desperation or at least in a moment that there hasn't been enough planning and how to communicate this and you're not giving people enough lead time. And so when it happens, you could be turning off your existing customers or clients um, and not really attracting the crowd or the new audience that you really need to um get your your business or help your business to survive or even thrive in a situation like this. So we are going to talk about that. So how are we how do you prepare your organization for a recession in your communications and marketing? We'll go a little bit over of the um about the current landscape. Um really what most of us know, which is that most signs are pointing to a recession, but not even just that. A lot of organizations and big brands are already um, reacting to that. They're reacting to that by increasing prices um, and keeping prices up. Today, there was an article um, talking about how big brands from Coca-Cola to Unilever and Kimberly Clark are saying that the price increases help them cover the cost of inflation, uh, but they are watching how consumers respond. Apparently, up until this point, consumers have been pretty resilient in continuing to buy their staples or Products and services still, um, but there is this kind of concern that some of this demand will start to drop as people kind of deplete their savings or maybe run too much credit up. And so that's going to put brands and organizations in a really precarious situation where, you know, we could, what what's it, you know, the IMF today said there's going to be this big global downturn, uh, even worse than they thought this year and next year. And so as the economy takes a bit of a downturn, how can organizations and brands communicate or market around keeping prices as high as they feel like they need to, not offering things like discounts or price decreases um, in a situation where, you know, your, you and your organization need to keep people employed and do things you need to do to, to run your business? Um, it just puts brands in a really tough situation where people spending power and their their kind of appetite for spending decreases yet, you know, you need more and more business to keep your business going and more revenue. So, but there is a way to kind of communicate and market and message around that. Um, 
And to, to at least start doing it now so that, again, when it becomes a situation where you have to raise prices, where you need to pivot your product or service or what you offer, that you're doing it in a way that is trustworthy, that is credible. Um, so that really comes down to uh, how you are presenting your your comms and marketing, what you're talking about, how you're positioning your your products and your service your services. And I think it goes back to something that's really like a really important, obvious example to consider. And and as I go through this, please feel free to, to, to call in, you know, ask a question that could be in the chat. If you want to actually just talk to me, that's fine. It could be about this specific topic, or maybe you have a different communications and marketing challenge that you're thinking about that could be somewhat related or maybe completely different. That's, that, that's fine. Um, so don't wait for me to finish a thought to, to kind of get into this conversation. But um, an, an example that we want to think about on, on, on maybe um, something to emulate for your organization on how to communicate and market your products and your services so that you can pivot in a way that is credible with your audience is, is an extremely obvious example of, of Apple. And, and, and bear with me with this cliche. So if you think about how Apple started, it started as a company that sold hardware. It sold, you know, computers, the Lisa and the early MacBooks and and all of that. And then it and then it made its own operating system. For a while it ran Windows and then it made its own operating system. And back then that was actually a pretty, you know, crazy thing for a, a, a company to do was to manufacture both hardware and software. It wasn't something that anybody, I don't think, did really at the time. And so that even was a leap of faith with customers. What is this hardware company doing, you know, making and selling software? And then keep progressing down the Apple product life cycle, which is they make phones, they make watches, they make earbuds, and, and they even make TV shows. And why is this one company able to introduce all these different products and services um, without really, not only without confusing the market, but, but with maintaining this very high level of expectation with the market that no matter what product or service Apple introduces except for if anybody remembers that social media slash like music site that they launched that the market just expects it to be good i mean when when apple launched it they were doing apple tv and, and not only not only creating the platform but also making actual tv shows the news headlines were hey watch out netflix better watch out apple's entering the streaming game it wasn't what is this phone company or computer company doing trying to compete with hollywood and netflix and all the other titans of tv why can a company like apple do that the reason Apple can do that is because they don't actually sell or market on their products and services. What they sell and market are their is their identity, their values, um, who they are, the, the the things that they want people to associate with their brand. And so, when they pivot or when they introduce a new product or service, people aren't really confused because they would never. They never build themselves as, oh, we are the computer, the best computer company in the world, or we're the best iPhone maker in the world. They, they don't sell that kind of stuff. They sell the, the, these values and principles that no matter what product or service that they introduce, they're all pinned back to these principles of think different, creativity, innovation, kind of going against the grain, being, you know, being uh, artistic and creative and things like that. So no matter what product or service they introduce, 
they can easily tie it back to those to those principles, which is what they're communicating, marketing and selling in the first place. So as you, you know, as you as a professional or as an organization start to think about that, start to think about, well, you know, and, and even if there isn't a recession coming, uh, it's still it's still a good idea. But with the recession coming, there may be a need to start offering slightly different tweaks to your products or services or what you offer or completely fundamental changes, introducing a new product line. If you're able to now set a foundation where you are communicating and marketing based on your principles and your values, then you will have much more flexibility and leeway to introduce these new products or, uh, and, and services because you just tie them back, back to these principles. So that, that really is the, the key. And so, you know, there are some really, you know, great examples of, of organizations doing this, but just the quickest example is just checking out how Apple, um, talks, um, how they communicate about things, um, you know, uh, look at other organizations in your neighborhood, in your community that, you know, when COVID first hit, they had to make like a big pivot. Hi, who do we have? Jenny. Hey, Jenny, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm appreciating Thank your you words. Thank you so much for joining. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm appreciating your message. I think it's great. Oh, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, just Tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and, and, and what you're working with and, and why you're interested in all this. Well, I work for a theatrical company that was just about devastated by the COVID lockdowns, as so many entertainment venues were. Mm. Um, and so they've been recovering for a couple of years now. And I was tasked with being in charge of a fundraiser that we had recently. And so... Um, we got right down to the wire. We kind of brought in a band and rented a venue and we're ready to go, but we had only sold four tickets. And in kind of a moment of despair, I said to the board, should we cancel this event? Should we just let it go? Thinking that we weren't even going to break even. And one of the older ladies on the board who's retired and is a small business owner herself said, no, we are doing this event. It's going to be great. And it was kind of with her, you know, cheerful, cockeyed optimism that we proceeded. And we just held the event last week and it was a smashing success. Wow. And so I think one of the key, key things is to not be dictated to by our fears. And one of the things she pointed out is that, well, some people may be affected by the economy right now in devastating ways. There are others who have thrived during the last three years. Mm -hmm. And she, she pointed out that some of the people in Southern Utah who were our potential customers or, you know, donors for this event had done really well with COVID because they were tied into the recreation industry in Southern Utah, which, you know, Zion National Park, a lot of these people had come seeking other places to do their vacations because a lot of the resorts and places out of the country were closed. And so uh, various restaurant and um, owners of like camping grounds had done better than ever before because of COVID. And she said, there's plenty of people around who have lots of money. And so that was really healthy for me to hear that I not get lost in despair and how are we going to make this work? And so I, I really think that's something I've learned this year to just not walk in fear, recognize where other people are perhaps not doing well, others are thriving, 
and to just not assume that everybody's in the same place. Mm, yeah, that I think that's really important. That's a good point. I, I have one question about that. So the the person on the board who you mentioned, how long has this has this person been with the um, company? She actually is new on the board, but she has been a long time small business owner, member of the community. Okay, and she just has you know life experience. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's, this is a really good example and and a really good point. Probably something I, w- I wouldn't even have gotten to where it's really understanding who your audience is. Um, And so if you have this intimate knowledge of the community uh, and who your audience is, you might have a a perspective that is a little clearer um, about what you're able to do, like you just said, as opposed to reading a a headline that has broad macro implications that don't really apply to every corner of the country or or even the world. So I I think that's a really good point. I also think your point about um, not letting fear kind of kind of drive you um, is is important and really difficult, something that, you know, I, I and a lot of people I know um, struggle with at times. But I think if you're trying something new, and it sounds like this event was new, is that right? Uh, we were celebrating our 20th anniversary. And okay. where before, before our fundraisers were basically like wine and cheese event with just drinks, and then everybody would go see the show, we wanted to have a full-blown sit-down dinner, dancing. Uh, We did lots of little cute things to make extra money. Like we had a photo booth and we had a silent auction and just, you know, various things to just add on to our totals. And the people who came to the party said it was a banger. They had a great time. And so I, I love the definition of recession and depression. It's often been said that a recession is when your brother-in-law is unemployed and a depression is when you are unemployed. And I just think there's a lot of wisdom in that, that it's all relative. And if you're suffering and you've been laid off or your business isn't doing well, that is not necessarily what's happening to the guy across the street. Right. No, that's, that's true. And I, and I also think, you know, even if it is true, I mean, there's still, still some of these same principles apply. Um, I would guess, and tell me if I'm if I'm off here though, is that the theater company, they, it, it wasn't such a huge departure. So yeah, maybe the the event itself at the sit down dinner was was quite different, but maybe it wasn't that much of a departure to invite people in to have um, an experience that was a little bit beyond kind of what the normal offering was. Is that right? Yeah, they did a yearly fundraiser, and they called it a fundraiser. You know, where people could just come in and kind of rub shoulders with the cast. Sometimes cast members would, you know, sing a song or two from the shows and and people would write checks. You know, that was just our fundraiser. And this year we really wanted to jack it up because it was our 20th anniversary. And, you know, it was kind of a stepping out and saying, look, we're going to we're going to just shake off this COVID thing and move forward with our company because the last two seasons we didn't even have shows. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's. That that's a good point, and and I guess to, to to my point earlier is if if you're if you're known for if if your organization is known for certain things that is not very specifically tied to one product or service, it's easier for you to maybe you know at the twenty year do something slightly different or really go all out for the twenty year um, celebration. That you know, someone might look at the invitation and say, "Well, I've never been to a sit-down event here before, but I trust them to do a good job because I trust them to do a good job because they host other events and other great fundraisers and 
and they know how to, you know, put on a good show, so to speak. So um, it does kind of get back, I think, to, you know, what we're talking about here is I think, you know, a lot of times when I, you know, go to like a event or a panel or something like that, I often hear so much about, you know, these elevator pitches and these like what's in it for me things where you're just trying to sell a single product or service and trying to be like the best at that one thing. And while that's not a bad idea, I think if you if you focus all of your strategy on how you communicate, how you fundraise, how you market on a specific product or service, it's going to leave you very little room to make adjustments um, going forward. I mean, I know during COVID, there were a lot of theater companies who were who were. Um, you know, trying to offer virtual performances. And I think like the Met did something huge in New York City like that. Um, and just figuring out different ways to provide value to their audience that was different. And the ones that tied their organizational identity to some of these themes and principles, I think had a lot easier of a time doing it than those who very specifically said, well, we have the best theater to sit and enjoy um, a show and the best you know, uh, drinks or whatever it was that could only be met with a physical experience that when COVID hit, you couldn't, you know, just out of it. Well, and to add dimension to the whole overall picture, the artist who started our company is a professor, a theater professor. And this past year, some students of his tried to cancel him because he used a wrong pronoun. And he literally was fighting for his job all year and has been very vocal about the need for us to keep theater pure and not bow down to the, the speech police who want to you know, tell us how to produce our shows. They want to cancel Shakespeare. They want to do all kinds of crazy things in the theater. And he is someone who has stood up bravely to the mob and said, no, you're not gonna do that to my company. And because of it, they, a group of people tried to cancel him. And at the party, he, get, he got up and gave a speech and talked about these things, about how they literally want to cancel history, change our art, and make it more difficult for our young people to understand the truth. And as he was giving this speech, someone pulled out their checkbook and wrote a big check right during that speech because he feels so impassioned about keeping the arts pure. And so I'm, I'm just so excited to be a part of this company and working with this caliber of artists who understand all the political ramifications of the choices, the important choices we're making. In terms of just choosing shows and sharing them in a pure way, it's very exciting. Yeah, I think I, I think it's an it's, it's an interesting point you raise. And I mean, I think we, you know, no matter where you are on the spectrum of beliefs or politics, it is very important to understand where you are and to and to have root, um, have some kind of foundation in that because no matter where you are, you will be challenged. And 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 there you're not going to be able to make everybody happy, particularly today. So understanding where you are and having like a very clear line of sight into that, I think, is is very important. And you're going to, you know, just like that person from that checkbook, you might have had someone else maybe in their head kind of walk out. But but that's OK. You know, it's OK as long as you're kind of understand where you are and you're true um, and you're honest about it. So, I mean, I think that's a great point, too. Um, I see this. Um, uh, Alumio has some um, chat, uh, some text in the chat. Um, so Alumio says, 
since um, my organization runs a small store inside a cruise terminal, our problem last year was a dramatic decrease, if not a stop, of incoming cruise ship customers. Since the terminal terminal does not allow local customers in it, it has become a huge problem for us. So, uh, uh, Alumio, um, if you're able to um, chat chat this back, are you able to sell to um, customers outside the terminal? Like, are people, I know, like, I, so I live in the Charleston, South Carolina area, and there's a cruise terminal that is um, right downtown, and it's right near some other like thoroughfare. There's shops and restaurants that's really quite close. Um, so I don't know, but I think if I wanted to walk into the terminal, I, I might be able to buy some stuff there. So, he, so Lumio says we can sell to people outside, just not from inside the terminal. Okay, so so you so you're allowed to somehow maybe you have a window that reaches into the public space, or you're able to like set up a stand or 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 something like that. So. Um, my guess, so I will guess kind of at like what you're getting at here, but feel free to like, so meaning that customers can't walk inside the terminal to see our wares, I see. So, um, yeah, I can see why this would be a problem because if all of a sudden, like if you relied on one main, um, customer stream, like literally people being forced to walk by your, your store, uh, and then, and then they're no longer there, you're now having to, um, seek out a completely different audience who might not at all be familiar with your store. I mean, if they haven't taken a cruise, it could be very well possible that they don't even know your store is there. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong about that. Um, so, I mean, look, I don't, I think it depends a lot on the kind of the situation that you're in and the community that you're in and what the expectations are, but there also maybe are some opportunities here. Um, um, yeah, there are many problems. I, I I can understand. Online sales is not a thing yet down here. Okay, so that so 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 that that makes sense. Um, so it might be some other way. So for, this is just an idea, and this could be a terrible idea. But I know that like when COVID hit, um, I was traveling like, right, right right before COVID. I was traveling a lot for work. I travel a lot for like family and pleasure and all that stuff. And one of the biggest things I missed was getting on a plane. And I know this sounds crazy, but I was like actually dying for airplane food just to have the experience of feeling like I'm going somewhere and taking on a new challenge or something like that. So I, I would, I, I would want to just have that feeling of like, I want airplane food because I want to feel like I'm going somewhere and airlines who weren't flying at the time. Um, I don't know if you remember this, you, you, you might, were taking all of the food that they had purchased and prepared for their upcoming flights that were no longer being flown and were actually packaging them and selling them to people to have in their own house. And people were either just taking them and eating them normally, or they were setting up these like events or parties or virtual parties where they were kind of, you know, doing a virtual tour somewhere and, and, and feeling like it, um, feeling like they were kind of on some journey Um and of course, there's no substitute for the real thing, but maybe there's something there that because you are your store is so closely tied to an industry and an experience that is adventurous and um, uh, very, very specific, that maybe there's something that could be offered or the way that you could market it is kind of bringing your knowledge and experience of the cruise world Um to people kind of off like who aren't able to actually get on a boat. And some people might be like really 
interested in that. And so I imagine, you know, if people are like probably some of the stuff you sell, um, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, has something to do with, you know, being on a cruise ship. Um, and so even though the people might not be on a cruise ship, maybe there's some kind of package or bundle that you could sell that still ties in that experience. So rather than being the best store for people about to get on a cruise, you could become the best store for people that want to have a cruise experience. And that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be on a boat. So I don't know if that's, if that's maybe kind of one of the things you're, you're getting at here with these chats. Um, you're more than welcome to, um, to keep adding to that to make sure that I'm not missing it. Um, or if you have any other questions about that. So, okay, here we go. You sell cigars, drinks, liquors, and some souvenirs. Um, I didn't know you can get access to that food. Yeah, you could. Airplane food was spectacular in the nineties. Yeah. It's crazy. I love airplane food. And I'm not saying like it's very good. I just like love the experience of like having airplane food. It's for me, it like signifies so much more than just, you know, the, the calories that I'm consuming at that, at that moment. Um, So you sell cigars, drinks, liquors, and some souvenirs. So if, so it, it might just be as a matter of like packaging them in a way with the souvenirs that gives someone the feel or the experience of a cruise. And maybe it's even, you know, with some sort of, um, you know, maybe you have like brochures or pamphlets or something like that, that you're including, you know, I don't know your industry all that well, but anything you can do to maybe like take the experience that people are used to enjoying right before or after they visit your shop and somehow bringing that to people. And you could open yourself up to an entire new audience um, of people who maybe don't have the ability to get on a cruise or the luxury or the time or whatever. And you give them like a little taste of that. Um, and again, that goes back to the idea of who is your business. It's not that you're the best store you know, in your in your region for selling cigars, drinks, liquors, and souvenirs, you're the best store in the region for providing the cruise, the pre or post cruise experience for bringing that experience to life for people who aren't even on a boat. Like that could be a way that you think about um, selling your stuff. Or um, you know, here we go. You calling in? So maybe maybe I got like a little bit wrong here, or maybe I'm on the right track here. But let's see. Hey, Zach. Hey. Am I okay? I can hear you just fine. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, so the the situation down here, um, there are some roadblocks that don't exist in the U.S., um, especially technologically. Um, but uh, yeah, that, I've been I've been I've been brainstorming for the past two years to see like what could be an alternate thing that we could do in case we get another uh, pandemic, which uh, mm-hmm. turns out to be kind of likely now. Uh, but uh, I haven't really like uh, uh, the the only thing that I can get at is uh, we we do get a lot of times we get uh, um, people who are about to enter retirement in the U.S. will go on vacation, come down here, and they will ask questions about the possibility of retiring on an island. Which, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, a lot of Americans live on this island, and a lot of Americans um, uh, retire to the to the Caribbean. Um, and there's a every island has their own rules and systems. So a lot of so they would ask, um, okay, so what are the benefits? Are there any tax credits and things of that nature? Uh, so I was thinking maybe of doing something like a, a information package, which I could sell online. But then uh, you know a lot of things happen, and I got a little uh, sidetracked. That's that's really the only thing that I could really come up with. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I, I, again, if you think just beyond like the physical products and services that you sell, and 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 more of like the core principles that you follow, or like the the core experience or value. So like that's a part of ex- of the experience that like I, you know I didn't know, like I wasn't aware of, is that you're this trusted um, resource in an area that people want to go, but they don't know really how to do it. And so maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Maybe it is some um, some like service of helping people make the move. I, I also read the other day that a lot of people are turning back to cruises. So I don't know exactly about your part of the world. Yeah, it's wrapping of, up right now again. Yeah, because yeah, and, and apparently like that's like some of the cheapest, most efficient travel you can do right now. With like hotels are crazy you know, uh, airlines are crazy. So like people are going back to cruises. So maybe there's um, an, an opportunity to to go beyond what you sell in the store to like tapping it. I don't know if you have access to like that market or if that's just how you can position yourself online I, or yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What I really want to do is I want to tap into a bigger market uh, like uh, the United States uh, because over here we only have 150,000 people, so it's not, it's okay. not a very big market. So I wanted to do that, but there were so many pitfalls and stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to get a little to get a little discouraged because uh, um, uh, when it comes to when it comes to uh, sending stuff to, when you, when it comes to buying th- stuff from the United States, it's easy. Everything's set up for it. When it, when it comes to sending things to people in the United States. It becomes uh, pretty damn hard for some reason. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, there are all these rules, and uh, you know, um, don't you can't send this, you can't send that, um, and of course, the um, um, uh, USD. Uh, uh, United States Department of Health. I think they uh, they make they make things a lot more difficult than they should be. <laughs> yeah, no, believe me. I mean, we we work with um, a few have and work with a few clients who are trying to get products that they now are making and selling overseas here into the States. And it is, I I can only, you know, empathize a little bit of how difficult it is. And, you know, multiple agencies have to weigh in. And if it's anything like, oh yeah. I mean, it's also, if it's anything like liquor or like, if there's any alcohol in it, I mean, you have like, I guess like a three tiered system that you have to deal with in the States, which is wildly difficult. So, um, so, I mean, you know, to me, that would be daunting too. Like I, you know, even for me, like I have friends in South Africa and the UK and Europe who like, they want to do like, you know, exports and stuff here. And I I, can, I just, I could never imagine trying to navigate all of that. But even, again, even like if you wanted to, even if you wanted to like, there's, there's this soda that we have down here. It's a cherry soda. It tastes really good. And a, a lot of people who drink it down here, they want to get it again, but it's not available in the U.S., and even sending a soda is just, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like you're sending WMD, WMDs or something, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah right. It's, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, so, you know, maybe one exercise you can do is something that, that we do with clients um, to, to just help them get a little bit more back. And it sounds like you already kind of have a good idea of it. So, you know, I'm not sure how much value you get, although I'm hoping some is where we call it like flip to switch. So essentially what you'll do is write down like and, and, and maybe bring in some friends, bring in people that you work with, people who know you, know your business and stuff like that, you know, like five or six people if you can, you know, treat them to coffee or something like that. And and get them to like write down like what makes you and your shop like so great, you know, and it, it could be, you know, whatever. And it could be one words, it could be sentences. And then once that part of the exercise is done, 
it's called like flipping the switch. So you flip the switch and you make your, you pretend that your business is something completely different that has nothing to do with your current industry. So mm. maybe you're like um, a nutritionist. So you're like, guy, you're a dietitian. You tell people like, you do their blood work, you tell them like, you know, what's, what's wrong, what's right. And then you, you prescribe them like a diet that they can follow and become healthy. And then you, and then you figure out of all the things that are so good about you and your current business, how could you apply that to, to some business that has nothing to do with your industry and what that helps our clients do. And, and, and people that we've done this with is that they're able to like really get to the core of their value proposition and what their principles are and how they differentiate from from other people they help them think very uniquely about their business rather than just saying oh i'm in this one industry and 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 i can give you an example we, we did this one um with like a basically a human capital consulting company so they do like hr transformation inside like huge federal agencies and so basically like federal agency will say i have all of these people thousands of people that i employ and uh, i want you to come in and tell me how to like get more out of them build a stronger culture, you know, whatever. And so this, this, this um, agency comes in and, and they do all that. So we flipped the switch and made them a bakery. And so, and we said, why should I come in and buy a chocolate chip cookie from you? So it's not like you've flipped the switch and like you've gotten through like training, like you're now today with everything that you know, a bakery. And they said, well, if you came in and asked for a chocolate chip, we would question whether or not a chocolate chip cookie is really what you wanted. We would we would try to get more to like the goals and the fundamentals of like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for something that is salty? Are you looking for something that is sweet? Are you hungry and you're trying to fill your calories? Or are you just looking to treat yourself? Like they way went like crazy into getting to understanding their customer on a level that was well beyond just like a simple transactional ask. And they started to understand their real business um, on that level too. And they started incorporating and started talking about their business that way and immediately got like, you know, raised their revenue and all that stuff. There is one specific thing about, about our business that, that makes it particularly difficult to do this type of thing with it. Uh, and, and it's, it's that, it's that, uh, we like normally you have a business, you, you know, you open and you have uh, customers that come in, those who find your product uh, and uh, good and find value in, in your business. They come to you and you can you can figure out what kind of person comes to you. But in ours, um, we get uh, cruise ships full of thousands of people and um, they briefly pass in front of our business. But it's not like they're not local. So uh, so so they they vary widely in the type and everything else. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, we, I think we, that's I think that's fair. But but this exercise is way less about your customers and way more about like you and what your principles are. So like mm -hmm. your customers, the fact that you have such a different customer, you know, the, the, the people themselves are actually different. The customer type is actually quite you know coherent. But the people themselves are quite different. That is actually a little bit better because you can't use that as like a crutch. You have to really – this would force you to really uh, get to the crux of who you are as an organization. And, and I'll tell you what, like if you send me a message here or on Instagram, I don't know, whatever is easier for you, I can send you something. Like I'll just send you like a little bit of a – of like a playbook like for the exercise to do it. And if you just can get a few people and do it for like an hour or two hours, I, you know, let me know how it goes and, 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 and I can, you know, walk you through it a little bit, but I, yeah, it I, would have to be, it would have to be like with a cruise ship uh, because we, I don't have any customers outside of cruise ship uh, people. So, uh, uh, so it would have to be like a cold approach type of deal.
because yeah. be, because every single one that comes to us is always their first time. Very few people uh, go on the same cruise ship. Send me a message and I'll tell you a little bit of, like a little bit more about like what, what I'm thinking and, and like, I'll send you a message on uh, on uh, on Colin. On Colin. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, so I mean that, that that's a good point, and 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 I can give you a couple other examples. So, like for instance, and these are like a little bit more obvious, but um, like when you know this local um wine shop in in Charleston when COVID happened and they weren't allowing people in the store, um. They, it, they never sold themselves necessarily on like we have the best price wine for the best bottles. They sold themselves on like their customer service and their knowledge um, and their interest in like satisfying what you were looking for and, and, and your needs. And so they were able to pivot and do that in a hundred different ways when COVID hit that had nothing to do with me being in their store. Same thing with like what, you, what a lot of people saw with um, like liquor distilleries where a lot of them um, pivoted and started making and selling hand sanitizer. And so if, you know, a lot of people didn't really question that because there was some level of alcohol in the hand sanitizer, but what they really trusted was that they were a local community institution, that they knew how to produce things on a mass scale, that they were safe, that they knew how to give you something to consume and use in a very, very safe way. So it was not tied to a vodka or a bourbon. It was tied to something way deeper that had something to do with their principles. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at here with this who is your business stuff. It's the products and services are, are important to sell um, but only on top of more of, of an identity. I mean, I mean, I, I even think about like going to Nick games when I was a kid in New York city that, uh, which is very lucky that I was able to do that. And, and there was a hundred different places you could choose to go to, to park. And, and so the, the people who were selling the parking spaces, they never said we have like the closest or the best or the cleanest or the safest parking spots. They just sold, you know, who they were as a person. They made jokes when you came in. They try to remember who you, you know, what your name was. They would talk to you a little bit about the game or something. You know, if you brought your kid last time and you didn't this time, they would ask, you know, hey, what does he have a school night or something like that? Had nothing to do with the physical space that they were actually selling and everything to do with who they were as a, as a professional and as an organization. Um, and so it just that sort of approach and philosophy, whether it's a recession, whether it's cruise ships stopping from coming in, whether it's wanting to do, as Jenny was talking about, um, a, a bigger, bolder fundraising celebration that hadn't really been done before, at least not in that way. When you when you sell your values and your principles, you don't have to change them often. And if you can keep that consistency, your customers and your target market and your audience will keep a very high level of trust with you. And that will allow you to pivot and add and sell to different people or sell different ways to different people. Uh, it'll just provide you a lot more flexibility. And so if and when this recession comes, and I don't know if we're in it or not, um, there, it really does cause organizations to have to pivot on a lot of different levels. And this is the kind of foundation that we've seen that we believe is, is really just um, uh, the best way to be able to pivot and survive and, and, and even thrive. So I hope that's helpful. Like, please contact me on call in happy to, or on Instagram at Z Giglio, very happy to kind of go over this. This is a topic that's like really central to everything that we do and have done. We've seen this type of communications and marketing work very effectively for organizations when it's boom time. So even in a recession. Um, and so, so I would love to help walk you through on how to like 
implement this, do a couple of these practices like I was talking about, uh, and then see how it goes and see how it works. But this is the Who's Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Zach Giglio. Thank you so much for joining. We'll try to do one of these every week, but don't wait for the next episode to call in or reach out to me. Just let me know how we can, um, how we can help you out.